Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and muser of metacognition, David Peterson. All right, Innovation Driven Growth Podcast audience, we are live with Ryan Green, who is the CEO of Gridwise. We're super excited, Ryan, to welcome you to the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, I want to uh, I want to just start with a very brief background. So just give our listeners, you know, just kind of the the, the nickel tour of Ryan Green, you know, just a brief background so they have a, a feel for you. Yeah, of course, of course. So uh, currently, I reside in the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, when we think about the state of Pennsylvania, that is actually the 12th state that I have lived in. So I've lived all over the country, moved my entire life. Uh, and that's all I've really known is just always uh, being somewhere for a couple of years and moving to the next place. I ended up um, going to college at the to study at the, the Naval Academy. And, and that was a it was a great experience for me from you know, just the military acumen that I gained there. And but also is it was a point in time where I actually started my first company, my first formal company and in the financial services space and really learned how to stand that company, uh, how to stand a company up and, and really grow a company from the ground up. And, and that experience really, I, I think, was instrumental to kind of lead to, to, to my entrepreneurial journey. After, after spending time at the Naval Academy and, and running this company in parallel, uh, I went into entered active duty as a uh, naval officer in the military. Uh, spent some time in, in active duty there, but also, you know, there's some relevant experiences during my time in the military where I actually uh, had uh, driven for Uber uh, and, and later for Lyft, which I'm sure we'll delve into. And uh, mm-hmm. after after the military, went into went into banking uh, in, in doing currency trading, which was related to my first uh, company that I started in the financial services space. And um, that's what moved me to put that job moved me to Pittsburgh, PA. And and really, since uh, since that uh, working there, I had um, I'd worked there for some time. And then really, uh, after about a year of being there, I actually jumped into starting Gridwise full time, where I'm now the, uh, the uh, co-founder and CEO of, of the company. So you mentioned in your narrative that uh, that you had uh, started driving for Uber and, and also for Lyft. You were doing that as many people do, just because you were, you know, you were picking up some extra money. You had time. You had a vehicle, and and you were you were using it in that way. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting concept. Uh, interesting concept for me. It was new. Uh, new the concept of Uber came to my city, and I took a few rides, and and I was really intrigued by the model, and I signed up to to be a driver and. From there, I started to experience what it was like to be a gig driver and, and the, the, the benefits of just being able to click a button and make money, but also a lot of the pain points that, that derived from that experience as well. So this is uh, this is great dovetail into my next question, which is, uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, we use the words gig economy and gig workers. Uh, you just referenced it as you were experiencing some rides and you said, hey, I, I want to, uh, you know, I can do this. Um, just talk briefly for any of those who just may not be super familiar when we talk about a gig economy, generally a gig economy sort of means anyone who might be in a position to provide some 
uh, part-time work. That could be driving for Uber. That could be doing graphic, uh, you know, designing a logo for somebody, you know, creating a, a word template for the letter, you know, all kinds of things. But more specifically, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to focus on the ride share in this, del- the ride share and delivery. I think w- that's fair that your focus has been on really those two parts of, um, of the gig economy. Just talk generally about what that, when you talk about the gig economy for rideshare and delivery assistant, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's in, in terms of the, you know, what, what we think about, like we're, we focus on, as you, as you mentioned, on the, the, the drivers, uh, empowering the drivers, the workers who are uh, driving for ride hail and delivery services, is that makes up majority of the the largest portion of the gig economy is ride healing. And then the second largest portion is the, the, the actual delivery segment, which uh, stems into food, grocery, and, and parcel delivery um, through uh, app, well, you could say app-based delivery. And, and so what we're doing at, at GridWise is really providing uh, an application that empowers, a mobile app that empowers the workers, the gig drivers, to be more efficient and profitable on the road. So our app is helping providing analytics on what's happening in real time um, in the city, what's what's expected to happen ahead of time. And as over 70% of these drivers are driving for at least two or more services as they're independent contractors trying to just maximize their earnings, is they're turning those apps on and off and their performance and activity is being broken up in between all these different services. So what Gridwise is doing is is actually we, we persist and we stay on as those other services turn on and off. And help them and bring all their uh, drivers' performance and activity into one place and help them track their performance as a driver, really all in efforts to maximize their bottom line. That's uh, great, great. So um, so just to give people a reference, if you had to swag it off the top of your head, January 2021, just in the United States, how many rideshare and delivery uh, app-based delivery online, uh, somebody who could say, I'm available to take a ride or deliver something. What is that population right now in the United States? Yeah, it's estimated to be around a little over 6 million uh, of those drivers in, in, in the U.S. today. Okay. All right. So, I mean, so again, that's that's a significant number. You you started your first Uber, uh, paid Uber drive in Pittsburgh was was what year? It was 2015, actually. 2015. So, I mean, if you think about yeah. it, we're only talking about five, you know, maybe maybe a little over five years on. And probably back when you did that, there were multiple thousands of drivers, but certainly not six million. Certainly not. Not at right, all. Right, right. <laughs> so now let's... So let's do this. Let's combine those two things. Here's 6 million drivers. They have multiple different, because it's not just everyone kind of thinks of Uber and Lyft, but there's actually, I think, what, four or five other similar types. I mean, maybe they don't get the same popul- uh, the marketing or the same uh, lexicon in, in everyone's thinking as Ride and Lyft, but there's, there's a lot more than just two rideshare options. And there's, gosh, uh, dozens and dozens of app-based delivery options. Mm-hmm. So so somebody mm-hmm. who's in their car and saying, I can take somebody somewhere or I can take something to somebody has mm-hmm. a bunch of different apps that they may be interacting with. And now I'm hearing what you're saying is, is we're going to sort of, we're going to ride around or, 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 or sort of encircle all of that to give you information that's going to help you be more effective, more efficient, more profitable as a gig worker. Exactly. We yeah. we at Gridwise bring it all into one place for you. All right. So I, I want to talk about Gridwise, but now I think is the perfect time to say, all right, Ryan, you you drove for Uber and you drove for Lyft. 
Now you're CEO of Gridwise. Tell me this story. Tell me how you saw what was happening. Certainly, you started thinking about this or working on this well before there were 6 million drivers. What did you experience? Where where did this intersect where you said, here's a problem and Ryan Green is going to fix it and, here's, and, and then we'll talk about how you fixed it? Yes, yeah, you know, the initial perspective had come from you know, my firsthand experience as a driver. I wouldn't say the, the idea for Gridwise didn't come from that experience right away. Um, and, it, and it came a little bit later. But as I was actually going, uh, going out of the road and I was uh, or I had signed up to drive for Uber, I soon realized that as, as soon as I hit the road, I felt like I was kind of just driving blind. I didn't I was trying to position myself to where there could be, you know, I could get a ride the fastest and not spend time uh, waiting around for a ride. And I apologize for interrupting, but you mean literally position yourself. Should I be at the corner of Fifth and Lindsay or, you know, like, where do I need to be to give me the best chance to get a ride? Exactly, exactly. So I'm trying to understand, you know, do I need to go and wait at the airport? Should I spend time waiting at the airport lot? Should I be downtown? At this time, should I be, you know, what part of the city should I be at to be most lucrative at this time? And so I, I you ask yourself that quite a bit. You, you get taken around the city, uh, all over the city and outside of the city from passengers. You don't know where you're going to be taken. And so if you get taken in the suburbs, you're going to ask yourself, all right, well, do I stay here in the suburbs? Do I go back to the city? Do I go to the airport? What's my next move? And so it's really is like you don't have information that is helping you make those decisions. You can try to research things ahead of time and any information that is accessible, if there's some online event schedule or some indication of flights or things of that sort, it's really fragmented and it's really hard to, it's not really speaking to you as a driver. And so part of it was that, but it was also just the planning ahead. It's just understanding is if I'm, if I'm at home and I have a little bit of time in my hands to go out and drive, my question is like, all right, well, I have the opportunity cost of a few options here. I either do something else or I go out and drive and, you know, but I want to go out and drive if I'm, if it's actually going to be worth it for me. And, and so really there's, there's the core problem that I started to realize there was just due to the fragmentation and inaccessibility of key data that drivers need to be able to actually answer, you know, basic operational questions. And, and really that, that carried forward to when I got out of the military, I went into banking. I, I was taking quite a bit of rides in, in Uber and Lyfts. I was still an active driver myself. Um, and I started to hear drivers complain about a lot of the same pain points that I had experienced firsthand. And that's where the light bulb lit up. And I saw this like, wow, there's, there's something here and I need to go out and validate it. I need to go out and prove out that there's, there's a need for consolidated information uh, in analytics in one place that can help drivers make decisions that, that help them help improve their bottom line. And, and so that was really kind of where, where it's, where the, the light bulb had lit up. And then from there, it was just about validating the demand for the concept to, to figure out, you know, what is the right product to build for drivers? Nice. And, and if I could literally just diverge for a minute, you, you gave us kind of the brief history, but I'm just curious as I talk with people who, who are entrepreneurs who start companies, and, and, and this mm-hmm. is obviously um, a, 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 great, uh, a great company, but you, it's not your first one, right? So you talked about that you had uh, started something while you were even yet at the Naval Academy. When you were yeah. growing up, like literally like 10, 12 years old, were you the kind of kid who had a paper route, mowed lawns, 
Uh, were, were you, were you, you know, were you an entrepreneurial kid? Uh, you know, even back in the early days, did you have a lot of part-time job? I'm just kind of curious about that, how, how that correlates to future, you know, entrepreneurship. Yeah, no, it was, uh, so I, I can remember back as, as far back as, as second grade, I was probably, I was participating in every kind of fundraiser that my school offered. I was really sure. intrigued by sales, selling, my candy, dad was selling magazines, selling, all that, selling yeah. the, the world's finest chocolate and, and, and <laughs> magazines and, and anything yeah. that the schools, uh, I think it was a great model for any of these companies that partnered with schools <laughs> looking back on it. But, uh, really that was, I was really intrigued by sales and my dad yeah. was a, a successful salesperson and, and I looked up to him and, and that, you know, seeing him be successful in sales made me want to go into sales. But in terms of the, like really the entrepreneurial side of things where I actually kind of just saw a gap and in, in, in filled, filled a void was in sixth grade. And that's where I, very simple thing, no innovative product here, but my best friend, lifelong best friend and I uh, in sixth grade saw that everyone wanted this specific type of lollipop, but it was hard to get. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we went out to Sam's club and bought them in bulk and then sold each one of them for 50 cents and then would Beautiful. count the money on the bus each day. Beautiful. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was really the, that was really the, 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 the real, like the first, like real entrepreneurial right? experience where we were making money for ourselves. And oh. it was with, with lollipops, something so simple. That's and, amazing. And, it's, it's a great, and again, I hear this over and over and over again, where I talk to people who are really, you know, entrepreneurial and innovating and so forth. Almost all of them have a similar story when they were, you know, when they were kids about, about getting that arch, entrepreneurial spark, either, either through inspiration, like, like your dad or you know, an uncle, or, you know, there was somebody, there was somehow that they got this spark and then they kind of got into it. And then that just sort of attitude, even people who aren't necessarily starting companies like you started Gridwise just seemed to be more entrepreneurial in their adult life when they were entrepreneurial as young kids. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Did you just catch that? I mean, is it even a surprise to you that this CEO of this company, Gridwise, was a crazy into it entrepreneur, even as a, a young kid, hustling lollipops from the classmates. I think I hear this over and over and over again, and it's true for my own life that my, my innovation drive, my entrepreneurial spark was nurtured at a very young age. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, well, I don't know how much I really care about rideshare and whatnot, but maybe, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're an aunt or an uncle, maybe you're in a position of influence over other young people. What's the one thing you could do? What's the one thing that you could do that might help a young person become tremendously successful later in life is instill in them the spirit of entrepreneurship. Maybe they'll start a company. Maybe they'll be, you know, the next Apple or Google or Gridwise, but but maybe they'll just have that spirit and bring it to whatever they do. If they're a dentist, if they're a construction worker, if they're a gig worker, whatever it is, they're going to benefit by having that as a part uh, of their of their very fabric. Encourage that. Employers, if you're in a position where you're going to interview somebody and you're trying to decide, here's three candidates. You know, they all pretty much have a very similar resume. I don't really see a whole lot difference between them. Maybe add a new question 
to your interview process and ask them about their level of entrepreneurship as young people. Now, if I have three candidates, and they're all essentially the same relative to all of the standard uh, things that we ask in, in these interviews, I'm going to choose the one who showed at an early age that level of of spirit, that level of entrepreneurship. Because I think at, at the end of the day, especially when the chips are down or things might be a little tough or you need somebody to be really creative and innovative, it's going to be that man or woman who's going to come through for you. Just uh, I think that's I think that's that's a tidbit we're, we're taking away. You have this idea. OK, I'm hearing all these all these complaints from these from these workers. I'm not just knowing about it because I'm uh, hearing them tell me I've experienced it myself. I, I've, I've been in that, in their shoes, right? You're thinking, okay, so here's what we can do. We're going to, we're going to build this app and so forth. So did you, did you sit down and literally write out a very detailed, you know, set of business specs or what this is going to do? Did you, did you grab a, a, a couple of people, you know, and sort of create a, 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 a 0.5 version, you know, not even a 1.0 version, right? But, uh, did, you know, did you just sort of get some modeling clay out and start, you know, forming it or whatever? What was the process? What was the process that you went through and said, here's the features that we need in order for this to be viable as something that these rideshare uh, delivery folks would want in a version one? Yeah. So I think that last part is, is was really critical in my thinking was just related to, you know, what figuring it, we, I needed to figure out what do drivers want? What is the right product to build for them? What are the right bells and whistles or features to have? And the mistake that I had made in my first company, the financial services space, one of the, one of the many mistakes that I made, um, was, was not going through that customer development the same way. And, and we went out, we stood up a product, we had customers, but we ended up getting caught up in building too much product, 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 and for a long period of time, without developing our customers. So from the, the battle scars and learning lessons of that company kind of informed the, the process and the way that I went about validating for Gridwise. So what I ended up doing soon after you know having that idea, research the market, look, assess what the market opportunity is, how many drivers are, things of that sort, and what, what the monetization models could be. But to prove out uh, the valid like demand from the actual drivers, it created I think it was a Thanksgiving weekend. I created this website that uh, essentially portrayed what Gridwise could, what I thought it, the initial version could be, or the direction of it. And it was really focused on. To, it was really speaking to ride the ride hill drivers, the ride share drivers, and it was focused on aggregation of events and event calendars and and some other features associated with that. And it was like we aggregate this all in one place for drivers and have all these other features related to like demand. That we show you in heat maps and calendars, and et cetera. And, and so that landing page, there was obviously no product, but that landing page, what people would do is they would, they would sign up on that page. And then and that page was A-B tested into two different versions. And then they'd go to an A-B tested pricing page. Mm-hmm. And I'd see you know, what, what were drivers. I, w- I wasn't looking in charge right away, but I was just trying to figure out, I was like, what is most important for them based off of pricing? Mm-hmm. And, and then after they uh, clicked their package for pricing, they went to a success page and that success page said, Hey, sorry, unfortunately we're in development, but if you're a committed driver, fill out this, this survey. And, and so what drivers did is, uh, you know, what I did to get this out, get the word out is I found uh, Facebook groups to be really successful and free. 
And so I went to Facebook groups. There's hundreds of driver Facebook groups across the country now. There's many of them then too. And I pushed this out into Facebook groups. I said, hey, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I used OptiDrive, uh, was what it was called at that time, to and it, this last week, and I made more. I made much more money by using this and pretended to, that I was using this product. And people sign. I had 500 <laughs> people sign up, and about 500 people sign up in a week, week and a half, and 100 people fill out this survey where they spilled their guts on their problems mm-hmm. or proposed solutions or strategies. Their personal preferences for driving is so much information that helped really validate the pain points and, and really just helped me see, see a lot of things I wasn't thinking about that really started to steer the direction of where the product uh, would go in its first version. Nice. And so did you, uh, did you bring people in and, and, and say, okay, now I'm going to put the team together and we're going to go build this app? Or did you say, I know what I need built. There are a zillion you know, third-party companies that will build apps to spec. I don't, I don't need to actually build this myself. I just need to know what I want to build and then I'll go outsource mm-hmm. it. Did, w- what, what was that decision process like for you? Yeah, it was. So in parallel with that validation, or that validation process is I, I wanted to, to have you know, a, a partner who's on board, who balanced out my skill sets. My skill sets were more on the business, business side of the day boy. And I needed a partner who brought the techni- technical skill set and, and, and acumen. And so I was just, Really, I was I was new to Pittsburgh. I was going out and just trying to network and make sure that everyone knew that Ryan Green was looking for a technical co-founder, and and so that's what I what I did. And I ended up just being you know blessed and, and lucky to to find the uh, co-founder Brian Finnamore, who's a co-founder and CTO of the company today. And really, as early on in that validation period as uh, Brian Brian had come on and we had joined forces, he was still had a, another job while I was in banking and we decided to apply to a startup accelerator and, and uh, we, we got accepted, got an initial investment. And that was a catalyst that allowed us both to leave our jobs to, while still supporting our family and going to Gridwise full time. Nice, 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 nice. I'm just curious, your initial version, your initial thoughts of this was something called OptiDrive. That was the landing page. Yeah, that was the landing page initially. Oh, the initial the first thing. name. Yeah, that was the first name. That wasn't and, normal. And or so what, what was there, as you started thinking about bigger picture and you started thinking about branding and marketing and web URLs and everything else, what was the, what was the switch from OptiDrive to GridWise? <laughs> uh, I think it really just came down to the OptiDrive just wasn't a great name. <laughs> no, I mean it was. Uh, was somebody could I mean, be we, like, "Hey, it's a, it's a USB. It's a it's a it's a removable hard disk. <laughs> yeah, it could be anything." It, it, exactly, yeah. but it yeah. was it was it was just a, a weekend name to kind of go to to the towards the experiment that was real quick. But you know, we we had spent quite a bit of time thinking through the name, whiteboarding that out, as you'd see in any kind of the cliche uh, montage of a movie or Silicon Valley show or something. But um, we ended up coming up with, with the name of, of Gridwise. It would just fit yeah. exactly That's what good. we were doing. I, I think it's, yeah, because, you know, you think of gig, gig-wise, right? But I think, mm-hmm. grid, I think Gridwise, I think Gridwise makes sense, and I, and I, and I like it. All right, I'm going to give you a chance to give your, to give your, your ultimate sales pitch here on, on Gridwise. So I'm, I'm a, a driver. Uh, I drive mm-hmm. for multiple ride shares, and I also do uh, food and other, like you said, food, grocery, any kind of app delivery. And I happen to run into you, and it's a big building, right? It's, it's probably 25, mm-hmm. 28 floors. So we actually have 
you know, a good amount of time for the ride. And I share with you that I'm a, a driver and you say, oh, well, have you heard about Gridwise? I say, no, tell me about it. So give me like, this is like the things that's going to totally turn this driver to like, oh my gosh, I have to have this app. What are you going to tell me? Yeah, I'm going to tell them that uh, this app at its core is helping drivers uh, boost their boost their earnings and their profitability. And the way that it's doing that is actually providing you insight into what's happening in real time as you're driving in your city. As you're uh, driving between all these different apps, it's actually able to tell you what your dollars per hour are, your dollars per miles, uh, help you with your tax deduction, uh, mileage deductions, and and provide you analytics on how you're doing compared to the rest of the driver market. Um, so really just a one-stop shop that's going to really be a utility for you from helping you plan ahead, from helping you make real-time decisions, and helping you analyze your performance over time as you're on the road. Nice. And so you mentioned tax deduction, right? So my ears kind of perk up about that. So Because I, I noticed even from your website that it talked about maximizing tax deduction, but now you've added some more color to that. So it's literally these gig workers, because they're using their own car and they're using it to make money, they're going to be saying, well, here's the income that I derived. But there's Mm -hmm. a, is it just like the standard deduction, like 55 cents a mile or whatever, just like anyone who files an expense report? Is that what they get to deduct uh, for all the miles that they drive that are paid through one of those ride shares? Yeah. Yeah. It's a similar, uh, same deduction. And I think now in 2021, the new one is 56 cents that they're able to deduct on their work miles. All right. Uh, again, for somebody who drives a lot of miles, that that every little half penny uh, makes a difference. But the point is, is because they're doing that with so many different services, they're probably, you know, I don't know, got some kind of little book or main, like just to keep track of that because <laughs> they would need the documentation seems a bit onerous. So this is one of the things that Gridwise is doing is literally tracking all of this and saying, hey, if you're filing quarterly taxes, here's here's your miles. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. help provide their estimated uh, tax deductions. And on that point is we, we did, we've seen so many, some before drivers, many of the drivers are using Gridwise, we've seen so many interesting cases where, where drivers had, had books or notepads they were keeping, they were writing yeah. down their odometer start and their right. odometer end, and then trying to pick, like calculate that every, <laughs> after every drive or every week. Right. And so it's you, just all kinds of uh, makeshift, uh, makeshift, uh, solutions out there before Gridwise was uh, in I'm the market. I'm trying to make money. I don't want to do math in my head. So so we, <laughs> we made it, we, we actually made it up to the 17th floor and I'm intrigued. So I'm like, okay, this, uh, I, I, I get it. I see where this could help me, Ryan, but how much is this going to cost me? Yeah. So uh, imagine that this product is helping, it's helping you make more money and it's costing you zero dollars. It is wait, a, wait, 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 come on, come on, Ryan. We know that. <laughs> uh, hey, we can, I'll push the emergency stop on the elevator right now and say, everybody knows there's no free ride. So I just want to make sure that I can sign up for this app. And is this one of those deals where you give me a little tiny taste of these Gridwise features? But, oh, if you want to turn on the thing that really, you know, you got to pay, like, is it a freemium model? You know, I, I just want to know the full story. Yeah, I would say is um, the the core value is free. Uh, we yeah. do have a, a premium version of Gridwise, but I would say it's it's not as uh, we're not restricting all the the value and leaving it for the premium version. The premium version is for the most serious drivers who really need more right. uh, forward looking insights and advanced analytics. But the core value of everything I just explained to you is going to be free and and going to come out of the box uh, as soon as you download it. All right, I think we're at the twenty fourth floor, and I'm and I'm I'm keying in on my I'm going to the app store 
and and I'm and I'm loading grid wise as I'm walking out of the elevator and telling you thank you. So uh, so forgetting that little vignette, just putting that aside. Now I, now I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. If you and and I'm sorry, how many? Um, what's the number of gig? You know, rideshare and, and delivery folks that that are that have downloaded that app and are, and are using it. How, where, what are you up to in terms of numbers now? Yeah, as, um, in, as we look at uh, about each quarter, we have over 120,000 drivers that are using it, and we have reached uh, over 200-plus uh, thousand drivers. And so, again, that's the, it, then the, it begs the question of, of what's, the, what's the way that this word gets out? Maybe 6 million drivers, and there's 120,000, which is great, but obviously there's a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this strictly where a driver, you know, they, they, they're all waiting at the airport and their cars are all on the line, but they're kind of clustered. I don't know if they still do that with COVID. <laughs> you know, you see these little <laughs> clusters of people who are sitting and chatting, right? And is it like, oh, you know, somebody complains about something and go, oh yeah, I used to have that problem, but I know I got gridwise. What? What's gridwise? So is it, is it literally that word of mouth or are there other ways like these Facebook groups or other things that you can do to get to, uh, these drivers? Yeah, I would say so over, um, you know, initially there was a lot of uh, focus on the word of mouth or just uh, uh, really trying to be a part of a lot of the community groups that existed where there was a a digital, digital element of digital virality, as well as just um, you think of places like the the airport lot, paying visits to the airport lot and bringing drivers coffee and donuts and doing something good for them while and getting them to use GridWise was part of our early stage tactics. But uh, you know now over the over the past year we built a pretty robust marketing engine that is really um, you know we have uh, digital advertising channels that we're using we're using uh, we have we produce a lot of content on uh, blog content video content uh, even even do some of our own podcast content as well and and so uh, really is um, if you're a driver who's searching for a solution that could help you know, apply to you and, and, and help you earn more and help you provide more insight is typically Gridwise is going to be the first first search result that you see because of the amount of content that we have online that's really speaking to a lot of the, the things drivers are searching for. Right. And okay. So that's a, that's really is a, I would say a pretty robust and, and automated marketing engine to this point that's uh, reaching drivers so, nationwide. So, so 120,000 drivers a month are actively using this. And of course, you're harvesting all of this data. You're learning, you're, you're constantly updating your databases relative to all of this activity from these drivers. So what's the, what's the use of that for you from a metadata standpoint, from an analytics standpoint? Uh, obviously, some of it is being used to help an individual driver in their own unique experience. But in the broader big picture, how are you able to use this data that allows you to perhaps have other marketable services to other stakeholders? Yeah, so I would say is is we you know since the the earliest days of of Gridwise, as we saw that we started to engage with various stakeholders in the in the the industry, those who operate within mobility and those who interface with it. That could be mobility services that are shuttles and on demand uh, on demand services. Um, that could be real estate firms that are interfacing with mobility they're trying to figure out you know, uh, help their clients with site selection and where they should put their next retail retail storefront or restaurant or the cities and departments of transportation themselves and and so many stakeholders kind of um, uh, tangential to them and, and what we started to see is that they they possess a, a similar challenge that the drivers possess is it really comes down to the fragmentation and inaccessibility of data uh, and, and that results in gig mobility, the gig mobility, uh, gig mobility around 
how people and goods are moving across these gig mobility services is just essentially a black box for them. And mm -hmm. so what we've learned is that we can actually take a lot of this, this data, data set that we possess and understanding supply and demand across all the major services. And we can aggregate and anonymize that data and provide the first accessible source of, of this, uh, this gig mobility data to stakeholders to actually help them make more, be more effective in their operational decision making, planning, policy, regulation, so many use cases that we can support. And it's more important now and will become uh, than it has been in the past and will become more and more important as, as gig mobility services are becoming the standard for how people and goods are moving across cities and outside of cities. Nice. Here's another important takeaway. From the very beginning, Ryan understood that it's not just about the experience of these uh, drivers uh, related to uh, rideshare and deliveries and whatnot that was going to be valuable, that the accumulated data was going to be important and, and very uh, marketable to other types of entities who are, don't necessarily need to know what Steve Smith is driving and where his car is at a, at a particular time. That data isn't uh, given to another company, but the metadata, the roll-up data that allows them to plan and uh, and take advantage of those analytics becomes something very powerful. If you're listening to this podcast and you're working on an idea and you're, you know, you may be going down a particular path that's something that's very targeted and focused like Ryan Green is relative to Gridwise, but keep in the back of your mind that as you're doing your design, as you're creating it, create all of the abilities for you to roll this metadata up. Roll the data up and, and, and uh, normalize it, anonymize it, and then find other stakeholders, other interested parties who may be willing to pay for that data. And so you're keeping the privacy of your users uh, sacrosanct and at the same time creating additional sources of revenue. It's just smart. And so what's the future for gig workers, right? If there's 6 million, obviously, uh, you know, this, this past year has created a lot of demand for delivery of things where people were sheltering in place and so on and so forth. But, but let's assume mm -hmm. that for somehow, some way we get back to what's more normal, whatever the new normal is, is going to be not all the way back to where we were pre-February of 2020, but certainly more mm -hmm. actively going out and doing things. That means, you know, the, the more rides, pre-COVID, less deliveries. Now, during COVID, maybe more deliveries, less rides. So let's, so yeah. let's say we get back to some kind of new normal. It, it, it can't just continue. I mean, have we, have we sort of peaked out? Do we get to a point where it sort of normalizes? These are the number of drivers you need because after you keep adding more drivers, people don't get enough work and eventually they just get tired of not getting enough money and they drop off. And so it, it normalizes. Is it still going to be kind of wildly growing? Do you see it sort of leveling off? Or do you see other, other things besides rideshare and app delivery that would continue this momentum from a driver gig economy? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think as uh, COVID has really, really transformed the way that we're utilizing these services. Obviously, RideHail took a big head because of this. And and yeah. delivery is just continuing to grow at, at, at a rapid pace and uh, the delivery services. And, and so what, what, what you will see is, is kind of what you hinted at is when we start to get back to this new normal and people are getting out and about and eating in restaurants and going shopping themselves is that 
know, the, the delivery demand will, will start to go down more as you'll see that inverse correlation with ride hill and passenger movement just increase pretty rapidly. Um, it, but I do feel that people have created habits, uh, more habitual uh, uh, forms of, uh, or habits related to kind of how they're ordering their goods and uh, at this point, food or grocery. And so you're going to see much higher rates of adoption or much higher rates of retention and, and usage patterns and growth um, than you were seeing pre-COVID from a delivery standpoint. Um, now, when we think of ride hill, I think it's in a really interesting, I think really interesting position of where you're going to see just fairly rapid adoption of those services in, in, at levels that were higher than they were pre-COVID because what's going to happen is people are, people are going to be more weary about getting into more crowded public transportation mm. modes, of, uh, right. modes of transit. So people are going to be riding the buses less, they're going to be riding the subways less and be more, want to be more isolated. And so you're going to see more of a, a flock towards ride hail for some time. And so that's going to, to cause those services to, to rapidly grow. And so as you see, you're going to see just higher levels of both of those services uh, uh, continue to, to persist. And, and that's where, you know, we strongly believe at Gridwise that these services end up becoming the standard for people in goods movement. And that's what's, uh, I think that's where we're going as a world. And, and do you see that you will sort of remain uh, Switzerland, right? Are, are, you're, not, you're not trying to pick winners and losers. You're trying to, to help gig workers and also harvest data that can be used for other things. But, but you don't see yourself getting into where all of a sudden you're actually providing the, you know, the ride share or delivery um, d- direct service itself. Yeah, I would say as we're, we're going to continue focusing on empowering gig workers and then build more capabilities to empower industry stakeholders and, and really just kind of position ourselves as this hub and spoke within that, the, the ecosystem. But I do see that as we continue to build a larger uh, larger network of, of drivers, that there are more opportunities in the future for us to be able to bring uh, embed more services into our application that enable drivers to earn directly from our platform. Mm-hmm. We we never want to uh, we'll never want to grow and, and to try to you know recreate Uber and, and offer the passenger side experience or anything like that. But I do see that there's uh, with us possessing more and more of a critical mass of this uh, of the driver network that there's opportunity to bring a lot of those jobs through our platform as well um, right. for those who don't want to really manage the supply of drivers, which can be a, a pretty tedious thing. Sure. Sure. Nice. That's nice. Now, a couple of things I want to provide to our IDG audience before we go. I want you to fast forward. It's January of 2026. Kind of sounds crazy to say. So five years <laughs> from now. And, and uh-huh. give me a picture. Just give me a brief kind of like, here's what's, is it really just some incremental changes or do you see something radically different as it would, as it would uh, uh, directly affect uh, your, um, you know, your target audience for the app, the, the drivers for ride share and delivery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say is um, I would say there's there's going to be a continued keen focus. I think in, in that point in time, we're we're still very entrenched within the gig mobility drivers, uh, those who are moving people and goods from point A to point B. But what we're what we're the experience we're providing to them is more than just the data that we fed to uh, that we're kind of exposing, but is um, the inputs of data are really kind of derived from more of a, a crowdsourcing experience where drivers can have kind of more peer-to-peer communication and, and crowdsource more 
data of what's going on in addition to, to further augment the analytics that we're providing to them um, that we source and, and, and also giving them those additional ways to earn directly from the platform. Outside of the analytics is there, there will be more, there's more of a uh, marketplace of services that we're building. Uh, and, and at that point in time, we'd expect to have more insurance products, financial services, uh, services like income protection, phone protection, and, and healthcare and other benefits, really additional benefits that are really empowering these gig workers and, and providing them the benefits they need to, to really sustain themselves as that kind of worker. And, and really by that five-year mark, I think it's from an industry standpoint, is um, really being at a point where we are the, the lead provider of, of gig mobility sure. analytics. There's nobody close well, to us. This is great because this uh, this digitally will live on forever. So we'll we'll make a date to <laughs> circle back in January of, of 2026, and we'll have an update and, and see how accurate you were. Uh, one of the things that I do uh, through my innovation-driven growth initiatives is I actually lead creativity sessions. I, I help individuals and companies try to get more innovative, come up with creative ideas, get them worked into innovations. And my mm-hmm. whole background has been in financial services. So I try always to think, hey, if I was working with somebody in a completely different industry, you know, how how innovatively could I think about something that's not my core expertise? So, so this morning, I was thinking, you know, suppose I had been in the elevator, David Peterson with Ryan, and I said, oh, I know about Gridwise. And, and what, what innovative idea, you know, could I come up with? So I, I'm going to throw something at you. And this may already be available. So I'm just, we didn't get a chance to talk about this ahead of time. Um, what I you mentioned in the in, earlier in the podcast that you, you you had a ride you took somebody out in the suburbs and you were saying well should I stay should I stay here do I don't have any immediate rides to pick up should I stay here or should I go back to the airport and I think that's pretty common relative to when delivery or rideshare takes takes a driver kind of really outside of an area that they know to be a, a hot spot what mm-hmm. what do I do. So is there, it, my idea would be is that somebody like myself, I have both the Uber app and Lyft app and whatever, is, you know, I would want to get a ping. Maybe I would be a Gridwise user. I would want to get a ping that simply says, hey, if you need a ride, there's a driver in the area. So, so it may not be where, let's say that I wanted to take, I needed to go to town and I was going to do that two hours from now. But I got mm-hmm. something where I said I wanted to get that ping and says, hey, there's a driver right around the corner. Do you want to go now? So this idea of the driver saying, I'm in the area, does anyone need a ride? As opposed to riders saying, hey, is there a driver in the area? Does, does anything like that exist today? Uh, not as... Maybe it's crazy. It as, might be a crazy idea. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not crazy. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, not as, not as much. There's been some early concepts of, of something like something, uh, something similar to that years ago. But I would say is nothing's really, uh, really adopted in that route. But I think there's there may be a some people on my team say a, a there there <laughs> to uh, uh, really yeah. have you're you're kind of really changing the, the 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 way that demand like you're you're kind of bringing the the trying to fulfill demand from the other side. And so I think the drivers offering that and saying, hey, does anyone need a ride? I'm going this direction. There there are some out there that have been kind of more the carpooling experience to say, right. hey, I'm going this direction. Does anyone Does anybody else, else need to go ride? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. So like there's like the Waze carpool or there's uh, some other carpool platforms mm-hmm. out there that have that have gone that direction. But in terms of their adoption, I don't know how 
adopted those services have been. Well, anyway, there it is. I've given it to you. It's actually recorded uh, so you can forever <laughs> say that, uh, you know, hey, David gave up that idea. He, he, he doesn't get anything uh, for it, whatever. But, uh, but it, it, to me, it's this, it's this idea of you get something started. You're not exactly, you have an idea. You, you have a plan for how you want it to go. But it takes twists and turns. The 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 marketplace, your specific uh, customers, and and how closely you're listening to them, um, and general innovations in the marketplace. What what's going to happen five years from now? You know, with mobile devices, are are we going to look back on 2021 and say, oh, do you remember when we used to actually hold a phone in our hand? <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that <laughs> silly, right? So you know, there's so many different things you know that will change, and of course, companies that adapt, companies that are constantly thinking about creativity to innovation and so forth will, you know, will make it. And there's plenty of stories out there of companies that were sort of laser focused on what they thought their business was or, or what made them successful and never really adapted, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of examples of that. Let me, let me wrap up our interview this way. I'm going to uh, ask you a question to think about uh, what I really want you to do is, is provide some advice. Suppose you got a chance to go speak to a, you know, a class of high school seniors or maybe even college, you know, business, uh, business students who are entrepreneur in the entrepreneur uh, track or, you know, something like that. And, and, and you're mm-hmm. coming in basically to, to talk about it. And you said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what I would tell me if I could go back and talk to me before I started all this. I, here's the things that I would that I've learned that I would that I would make sure that I was more prepared for this or that this was something that I didn't really think was important. It's way more important than I thought. What's that advice for these future entrepreneurs that you would share here that you've learned as a part of your journey as CEO of Gridwise? Yeah, I would say is um, you know, through being CEO of Gridwise and then uh, the, the running the, the prior company that I had, uh, FX Connection, is I would say that one is, uh, you know, one, one of the big takeaways was just don't try to build your vision from day one. I think you see a lot of, I experienced trying to do that in, in my first company, but I've also, I, I think is one of the biggest contributors to companies not succeeding is that entrepreneurs and founders are trying to come in to take their idea that's on a napkin. And the first thing they want to do is go out and build an app an application from day one and they don't they, they they have an idea of all these bells and whistles and features to put on into the app and but they don't they, they don't do enough to validate that people want that right um secondly as i would say is learning how to say no is really is a when you start a company you have a lot of you, you'll have people come to you who maybe show interest in investing maybe show interest in partnering with you or working with you in some capacity but what you'll learn is that a lot of those things don't work out. They don't play out and they may string you along for a long time. And so you really got to be focused on your, your goals that you've set out, your mission as a company. And if, if those opportunities don't align with those things, then you've got to learn how to say no as quickly as possible and focus on what's the, the mission at, at hand. And then I think to tie to that, I, I would also add two more things. So like one is, being, when we think of focus, I, I, I think is being able to distinguish uh, motion versus progress. Is you can, anybody can be extremely busy in one day. Uh, that It doesn't matter what your profession is, but really is the question you have to ask yourself at the end of the day is just, you know, what did I accomplish that's moving 
me forward that's moving the company forward that's moving my team forward and because you can end the day and then think back and say like wow what did i what did i get done today and so having making sure that you're goal setting and that you're monitoring the right metrics and and focusing on the thing really the things that matter will kind of tie into that you know saying no to everything else and making sure that you're on track and, and doing things that that progress you forward and don't just keep you busy for you know each day at a time Last thing is related to, I would say is related to, to, to mental health and, and just overall health and wellness is, is just making sure that you, what we, we like to say the company is you, you sharpen the saw. And if you are, if you're tasked to go you know, take down a forest full of trees is you're going to have to stop and pause every once in a while and, and sharpen your saw. Otherwise, it's going to take you forever to do it. And so we, we would like to use that same principle, uh, embody those same principles within our company is to making sure this like you take, take time off, you, you balance work and you, know, you have a work life balance and uh, do the things you need to do. Because when you come back to work, you're going to be much more productive at that point in time because you, you've sharpened saw than having a dull, uh, dull saw uh, all the time. Nice. Truly wise. Listen, Ryan, I want to thank you very much. Ryan Green, CEO of Gridwise. Uh, you can find Gridwise at www.gridwise.io. Ryan, any other last uh, last comments, whatever, before we go? You know, I, I would say is uh, just in, in closing is um, if you if anybody is uh, using utilizing any uh, rideshare services, Uber and Lyft, or ordering your food and groceries uh, through uh, Instacart, DoorDash, or any of those services, is be sure to tell your uh, tell those workers, those drivers about Gridwise, it can help them a lot. And, and, and what ties to that is these essential workers, are they, their wages have been compressed over time. They're really doing everything they can to go out there and, and, and really you know, make a living here. And so I think outside of telling them, in addition to telling them about Gridwise, what would really help them is just always making sure that you, you tip them as long as they're doing a great job. So I think those are two, two things that I, I'd like to offer for the audience. Ryan, thanks again for joining us on the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.